So the other day I was, uh, I was looking in somebody's driveway and I noticed uh, a rock was shiny. And as a kid and a young boy who used to play in rocks all the time, I knew right away it was fool's gold. So I picked it up and I thought, my kids are going to get a kick out of this because they've, they've never found this stuff. So um, I took it home and uh, I just uh, I said, hey guys, I found this, uh, this rock you know, out here. It looks just like a regular rock, so I think I'm just going to throw it back outside. And I made sure I held, held it in a way so they could catch the, 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 you know, the twinkle of the, the fool's gold. And, and one of them quick grabbed my hand and said, Dad, that's not a rock. It's gold. <laughs> And you could see just gold fever, like, the, like back in the day when people had gold fever, you could see it in their eyes. And, and I was thinking, like at this point, I, I could hold this over them. I could get a bunch of chores done with this rock. Be like, you want this? You want this gold? You got you to gotta do this. You got to do this. And I think it, honestly, I think it would have worked until one of them had the bright idea to say, I'm going to prove that it's gold. I'm going to go get my minerals book. And I'm like, I don't know who bought them a minerals book, but, but I don't like it. Because apparently it's incredibly easy to tell the difference between real gold and fool's gold. Fool's gold's got like square edges and it's, it's you know, real gold is soft. And, and so it didn't hold up. They figured out that it wasn't authentic gold. And I was thinking about that in relation to what we're going to talk about this morning. Where we're going to look at a passage uh, that really deals with authenticity. It deals with the idea of are we genuinely people who follow Jesus Christ or have we just sort of acted like it? Have we fooled ourselves? Because I think if there's anything in life that we get certain, to me, authenticity, authenticity about whether or not you're a follower of Jesus Christ is monumental. Like, you don't want to get this wrong. And so we're going to look at, at really what is Jesus' teaching regarding a future judgment. And, and if you're here and you're, you're just kind of like, you're, you're still on the fence about what Christianity is, we live in a culture that cringes at the idea of being accountable to a God. We, we, we cringe at the idea that there's a God who would, who would care about my lifestyle, my choices, my actions, and one day I might have to give an account to him. But look, I, I would challenge you to think and to listen this morning with the, with the ears and with the, with the wisdom to say, I'm not going to be a person who says, simply because I don't like an idea, it can't be true. And Tim Keller presents this idea about the judgment of God. He says, look, we're not really going to be people who say simply because we don't like something, it can't be true. It can't be authentic. It's simply because we don't like the idea that, that judgment is a thing that the Bible talks about doesn't mean that it, it's not true. And so as we consider this idea, I want us to look at it from the, from the standpoint of, of look at your own heart. Look and see what your own heart, how, how it displays what Jesus teaches are the authentic, the distinguishing marks of somebody who truly knows him. So we're going to read a passage. Uh, we're going to read a little bit longer of a passage than normal. Uh, but why don't, we, why don't we check it out? Matthew chapter 25, and we'll start in verse 31. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory. And Son of Man is a reference in the Old Testament about the Messiah. And so when the Messiah, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people from one, one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. 
I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you look after, looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for, for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire pit, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Let's pray. God, we thank you for giving us this insight into the future. We thank you that you have displayed this for us, that we can look at our own lives and we can, we can determine the authenticity of our lives based on whether or not our faith shows itself. Lord, I pray that's who we are. A people who don't just believe by, by idea or by word, but a people who believe by action. Lord, I pray that we are, of all things, that we are incredibly authentic. Not perfect, but authentic. And we ask that in your son's name. Amen. The text here is an incredible passage to think of. It's this future throne room setting where Jesus, the king, is sitting on the throne and all the nations are gathered before him. And it's a scene uh, of really of judgment where there's separation between the sheep and the goats. And in their culture at the time that Jesus is teaching, this would have been a common thing to have to separate the sheep from the goats. And it might have been a little bit harder because of the way their animals look compared to ours. And, and so there was this this divide and, and and so for us as we look at this it's, it's huge there are people who who are going to live forever with God in life or those people there are people who are going to leave and be separated from him and, and live in what is essentially death now as we look at a passage that is in the future the temptation is to get so caught up into figuring out what, where is this happening? When is this happening? How is this happening? That, that in our efforts to try and build this system of theology, we can often miss out on the central point and the central passion of the text. This is a text that's meant to inspire us and change how we live. Jesus is painting a picture of a coming accountability. And the question is, do we, do we demonstrate a lifestyle that's going to show that we have desired, we, we have lived a life that resembles what he desires. Has our life mirrored what he wants to see in his followers? Is there, is there a, a connection, a correlation where, I, I, yes, I look like the people that he is talking about? And again, it couldn't be more significant. He's talking about life forever with God or life forever without God. Life with inheritance or death with punishment. And for Jesus, it all comes down to one key principle that I'll do my best to kind of walk us through this morning. It's a faith in him that was so substantial that you couldn't deny its presence in a person. A faith in him that was so substantial that you couldn't deny its presence in a person. If we got the mineral book out, 
And we looked down through and said, what are the defining characteristics of this? At the end of the day, it's either fool's gold or it's gold. And each one of us, as we consider what this text says, should say, I want to be sure that my faith has proven itself to be authentic, that, that, that my faith is so real and so authentic that, that when I consider the love of God on the cross, when I consider the strength of God in the resurrection, and when I consider the mercy, mercy of Jesus in the forgiveness that he offers, I can't help but show it in my life. I can't help but love God by loving others. Emphatically, by the way, he's talking about our faith becoming real to the people who can't pay you back, to the people who can't give you a promotion in any way. He's talking about the people who are so vulnerable that nobody will ever know, nobody will ever give you an award for loving them. He's talking about loving the people simply because you love him. When James talks about this in the book of James, he says, pure and undefiled religion. Pure and undefiled, the purest version of religion from God's eyes is to love orphans and widows in their distress. Why? Because to James and to Jesus, love shows itself, faith shows itself in love where you don't gain something for doing it. You're just doing it surely and purely because you love God. In other words, faith as a substance is something that must become visible. It's not something that can remain dormant and, and not have any fruit show up. It, it, it's, it's got evidence. It can be seen. It can be determined to be authentic. And what Jesus is saying is that the entrance into the kingdom is based on a faith that has evidence. The entrance to the kingdom is based on a faith that has evidence to it. In other words, the sheep have certain characteristics about them that you can tell they're sheep. It's not by those actions that they became sheep. It's not that a sheep went around and said, bah, and instantly then it became a sheep, or it, it, it had wool, and then instantly it became... No, a sheep was a sheep, and it therefore displayed sheep-like characteristics. That's what Jesus is saying here. That in a great day of judgment, he's going to look and say... Are you a sheep or are you a goat? And we can tell that. We can demonstrate that based on whether or not you display sheep-like qualities. Leon Morris writes about this text, and he says, We must bear in mind that it is common to the whole scriptural picture that we are saved by grace, the free gift of God. We are saved by grace, and we're judged by works. The works we do are the evidence either of the grace of God at work in us or of our rejection of that grace. See, a Christian truly must have the marks of being a Christian. The, the service to those who are in need is essentially the stripes on the zebra. It's the spots on the cheetah. These are the, the distinguishing characteristics. We talk about a Christmas tree a couple times today. The, 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 you remember when you, when you light up a Christmas tree and, and, and what is the first thing you want to do you want to turn the lights out and then turn the Christmas tree lights on. If they work, you see them. You can't not see them. It's visible. It's light. It shows up in darkness. Jesus is saying what makes a Christian's faith visible is the way they love those who cannot in any way say, I'll make it worth your while. Yeah, there's a side fringe benefit to this. Jesus is saying that's the light in the dark room. 
That's what demonstrates that we are who we are. That's interesting. We as a staff talk about that. How, how we as Christians ourselves, even as a staff, we tend to emphasize certain things that, that connect with how God made us and who we are. We'll emphasize certain sins as being worse than others. We'll emphasize certain ministries as being better than others. We'll, we'll put one passage of scripture above another. And so we'll emphasize different things. Jesus emphasizes this. This is his litmus test. This is his emphasis. He's saying to be a follower of Jesus Christ is to be somebody who loves some, those who are in despair. Well, why would that be? Because that's the message of Christianity itself. That we as humans were dead in sin, in despair, and he freely loved us. Knowing we couldn't earn it. Knowing we couldn't pay him back. He loved us. And so what he's saying is that on this day of judgment, don't be fooled into thinking you've had gold all along when in reality it was fool's gold. No, the expression of your faith shows forth in evidence in the way that you love people. And it's the most significant thing you could do in life. Two challenges I, I, I want to issue on, on that regard. And the first one is this, is that sheep need to see their king in everyone. Sheep need to see their king in everyone. See, that's, that's the surprise factor here. Jesus says, man, you, you can come in. I've seen your faith show up in the way that you love people, in the way that you provided for people, in the way that you took time for people. I see your faith, and they go, Jesus, how, when, when did we do this for you? He said, when you did it for the least, you did it for me. That's the wow factor. Jesus is saying that in association to the lowest and the least is me. And I've connected myself to them in a way that when you were serving the least, you were serving your master. When you were serving those beneath you, you were serving the highest. Great theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this. He says, Jesus stands at the door knocking. In total reality, he comes in the form of the beggar, of the dissolute human child in ragged clothes asking for help. He confronts you in every person that you meet. As long as there are people, Christ will walk the earth as your neighbor, as the one through whom God calls you, speaks to you, and makes demands on you. That is the great seriousness and the great blessedness of the Advent message. Christ is standing at the door. He lives in the form of the human being among us. Do you want to close the door or open it? There's so many different movies that I can think of and where you've seen where where somebody who is royalty or somebody who is, has authority becomes common. And it's just kind of like this hidden thing. You know, I think of Aladdin, I think of way back in the day with coming to America. There's all these movies where, where somebody who's in a position of authority or royalty, they, they become common. The one that just kind of sticks out to me is Undercover Boss. Undercover Boss, so you got like this boss who goes in amongst the employees and they've got the fake mustache on and they've got the video camera following them around for training purposes. I'm like, why don't you figure that out? Like, there's a professional video crew following you around while you're, while you're helping a new employee. That, like, that's not a red flag for you? This has been going on for 10 years, the show. I would just be incredibly suspicious if somebody is new and they look kind of different, but they look the same, it's probably the TV show, Okay. They should figure this out. The, the most recent one, it was the mayor of Shreveport, Louisiana. Come on. Like, if you're working for the mayor 
and the mayor shows up dressed differently, that should, you should be able to figure that out, right? I mean, come on. Like, if you figured it out, let's, let's just pretend you're on the show. New guy comes into work. They're doing an HR video. They're going to they're gonna train, video you how, while you train somebody else. And you know it's the boss. You know it is. You're going to behave a little bit differently that day, aren't you? You're not going to take an extra 10 minutes on the coffee break. You're not going to take the shortcut with the safety rules and all that. You're going to behave a little bit more differently because you know how this works out. Jesus says, I'm the undercover king and I want you to know it. I'm with the person that smells funny and you don't want to be around. I'm with the person who's a little bit awkward and, and can't seem to stop making the same mistakes. I'm with them. And Jesus says, how you treat them is monumental because it's likewise I'm telling you how you treat me. And I want you to know it. And, and, and so in all reality, we serve Jesus at the outdoor food pantry. You bought socks for him. You helped pay for his house. On Christmas Eve, we're going to give to his family in need. These are things that we as a church are going to continue to do because we understand the connection. We see the undercover boss. He told us. It's him. He's there. And it's our opportunity to love him. It's your opportunity to tip him a little bit more at the restaurant. It's your opportunity to, be, to overhear somebody in need and, and maybe just anonymously drop Jesus a gift card. So we looked at two weeks. Whoever lends to the poor lends to God. We gotta be wise enough to see that this is the way that God has orchestrated humanity, orchestrated his kingdom to say, this is how you prove your authenticity. This is how you know that you see me in everyone. I, I, this is such a profound thing because we as, we as humans, we tend to help those who can help us. And Jesus says, no, no. That's not what's important to me. In the end, that's selfishness. And what he wants for us is for righteous people to understand that righteousness is not a concept, it's an action. We're living it out. And God, I'm gonna demonstrate my love for you, my authenticity, my faith is real by the way that I do this. This is thinking about this. If he wanted to make this a bigger deal, like if he wanted to put more importance on this, what would he say? I don't know that he could. I, I think this is about as, as much importance as he could place on an issue. Look, whenever you love this person, the person that you would rather avoid, the person that you, you probably don't want to take the time, when you love that person, you love me. I don't think he could do anything to place more significance on it than that. And what he does is he, he attaches his identity to the person that's overlooked and downtrodden. This, by the way, is the only time Jesus refers to himself as king. Fascinating, isn't it? This is the only time Jesus refers to himself as king. And he chooses to do so in this moment, to say, I am king. I am king, and love them, and you'll love me. And what he does is he, he, he attaches his identity 
to the least, and he attaches our identity. This whole thing is identity shaping. It's, it's him as king. It's them as great association with him, and then it's us as either sheep or goat. Right? This whole thing really tells us so much about us. The, the thirsty, the hungry, the, the poor, the vulnerable, the unclothed. Jesus says, that's me. The sheep or the goats. That's up to you and your faith. And whether or not it demonstrates, real faith shows up in actions. Second, second challenge is, is this, is that the least mattered more than what it costs to serve them. We have to understand the least mattered more than what it costs to serve them. But if we're being real, what we're talking about, what Jesus is challenging us with, comes at a cost. It costs your time. It costs your resources. It, it, it costs your, your energy. It sacrifices what else you could be doing with that time, where else you could be. I was thinking of my own life and, and the, the times when Jesus really called me to love the least. Made me sacrifice my desire to, to not smell things that were gross. I remember times where Jesus led me to hug somebody who hadn't been hugged in a long time because they were dirty and they were filthy. And, and just there's a lot of questions of what I didn't know and what might happen. But I also knew that I was loving my king. And that's what he's saying here. That it's worth the cost and the outcome matters more than the sacrifice that it takes to get there. There's a significant emphasis on this. Whenever things are repeated in scripture, it's raising, raising their importance. And Jesus repeats this concept again and again. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. All of them are situations of vulnerability. They lacked the basic needs, they lacked safety, they lacked sympathy, they lacked love. And Jesus says, your faith is demonstrating itself in how you love these people. You should have the stripes of a zebra that show up when you love people at cost to yourself. That's what makes you authentic. That's what makes you real gold and not fool's gold. In fact, there's a parallel in the text where, where it's kind of hidden in there, but the more you look at it, the more you study, the more it raises even the, the, the value of what Jesus is asking for, even higher. There's a parallel where there's this kind of like just ingrained comparison in the text where Jesus is the ultimate, Jesus sitting on the throne as king, reigning as king, is the ultimate display of authority. I mean, you can't compare anything else in history, and you have little mini pictures of authority. Abused or, or acted out well, you can look throughout history and you'll see little pictures of authority at different times. And then you get to this, no greater authority. This is all the nations standing before the reigning king. This is the highest picture of authority that will ever happen. And the parallel is, the ultimate, the highest expression of love is in how you love the least. That's the fullest. As great of, of the authority as God himself standing in for, or sitting on his throne in front of the nations is equal to the expression of love showed to those who cannot pay you back. The parallel is setting up distinguishing marks to say this is what sheep do. This is who sheep are. 
These are sheep-like behaviors to give food to the hungry, to give water to the thirsty. Now the goats, on the other hand, Jesus says the goats are those who don't do those things. Again, Liam Morris talks about this. He says, we get a picture of people who are wrapped up in their own concerns and indifferent to the plight of sufferers around them. First John says it this way, if anyone has material possessions and he sees a brother or a sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with our words or speech but with actions and truth. You know what he's saying? He's saying, don't become calloused. Don't become indifferent. Have you ever been indifferent? Have you ever just been used to it? You knew the reason, you knew why, and it's just the same old story. He says, don't do that. That's not sheep-like behavior. Don't let your heart look that way. That's not imitating Jesus. That's what he's teaching. That goats are goats, and sheep don't look like them. Sheep are different. There's telling marks. And your faith tells you something about yourself. Yeah, the people who are downtrodden may not be able to help you with anything in life, but they will reveal something about you. They'll reveal the genuineness of what you really believe. I'm curious, I wonder what your Christmas trees are like. And you know, for those of you who are kids, I probably have an idea what your Christmas trees are like if your kids you know, do anything with it. Our, our Christmas tree, if you look at a Christmas tree, if you look at ours anyway, you can tell something about us, right? So if you look at a Christmas tree, you can tell we like the outdoors. So we got some pictures here. Um, we all kinds of different, yeah, we got a snowman fishing. He appears to have hooked himself in this photo, which is not very good. Uh, we got some fishing ornaments on the other side. So, so you can, if you looked at a Christmas tree, you say, those, those, that family likes Fishing, they like the outdoors. You can also tell my wife is a teacher. All the kids give little different teacher ornaments. But really the biggest thing you can tell about our Christmas tree is you can see that we've got people in our house who break ornaments, right? And obviously I'm talking about my wife. Um, no, my kids. Uh, so you've got broken dinosaur ornament on the left. Uh, another broken, it's a bad day to be a dinosaur in the Saxinger house. Uh, broken dinosaur on the top right. The bottom one, they actually broke before it left the store. I had to buy that because they broke it in the store, and then I brought it home and glued it back together as a typical, look, that's a typical dad glue job right there. It's 100%. If you looked at our tree, if you looked at a tree, you'd be able to tell something about us. That we value kids who have fun, we value memories, more than we value perfect decorations. My tree's not going to show up on, on Christmas, Christmas monthly. It's not going to be on the cover as like the beautifully designed. And there's no problem if that's your tree. It's cool. I think they look nice. But you look at our tree and you can't help but figure something out about it. Can't help but say we, we, just, we just let our kids go to town on it. If you look at your faith, what do you see? What does it tell you about yourself? The sacrifices that you make when no one's watching. I helped someone the other day in a way that I'll never tell anybody about. And I wonder, did that person even appreciate it? Did anybody know? It doesn't matter. Because my king saw it. 
My king knows exactly what it is. He knows exactly the motivation of my heart. And what this does is this removes any of this, I'm gonna do it to be noticed, or I'm gonna do this, and I wonder if anybody, this is you and your king. And you're saying, I believe in him. I believe in a God. Who, this is what Christmas is about, right? This is not a boss who came and thought you were a nice person and paid off your mortgage. This is God who died on the cross for you, who gave you what you could never earn, what you could never achieve on your own, and said, I just want to love you. Of course that faith would express itself in imitating it. That's what we're talking about here. How much you are willing to serve the least tells you how much you value the most. How much you're willing to serve the least tells you how much you value the most. I, I just want to leave you with one, one thought. If these are the distinguishing marks of Christianity, what does this tell you about Christianity? What does it tell you about Jesus Christ? What does he really value? For those of us who are his followers, let's let that be true in our life. Let's pray. Lord, the reality is that every one of us is born into this world the least. Every one of us is destitute and in need of your love. So Father, essentially what your son is asking us is to, is to reenact the sacrificial love of your son and these opportunities where we interact with those who are the least, with those who are downtrodden. Lord, I pray this week we would give our time. Or we would give just undivided attention to the people that we interact with, who we know you love. Because we know that you're the undercover king. Lord, I pray this week that we would give our resources so when we see the hungry or we see the thirsty or we see the one without clothes that we would give. Lord, I pray for the, the stranger that they would feel loved. Father, that we would be people with authentic faith because we've experienced the most authentic love through your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.